Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage comes from Psalm 22, 23, and 24. Psalm 22, David starts off here, and he starts off just really downtrodden. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. So much of Psalm 22, um, we can attach to certainly David because of the distress that he's going through and how similar that this narrative is to many other Psalms where David was, was in deep distress. We don't know the... Uh, extent of what he went through and the pain that was caused to him. We just know that he was, um, in many seasons of his life, despised by great masses of people. Um, And it was completely unjustified. Um, And so that's why he felt so many of the strong feelings that he did. But several of the verses in Psalm 22 can not only be related to David, but they can be related to Jesus. Uh, even through these specific phrasings like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was one of the things that we know Jesus said. One of the final things that Jesus said while he was on the cross was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he breathed his last, you know, is one of the gospels um, says it, you know, as, as one of the, I think there's seven things, one of the seven things that Jesus said um, in, in his last few moments. And uh, then, you know, he even talks about how he says in verse 16, uh, they have pierced my hands and feet. It goes on to say, they divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. You know, and so, you know, these, these verses are interesting because I think some people want to just take this whole passage as a, as a whole and kind of go, okay, this is just a word of prophetic scripture. David was sitting up in his penthouse when he wrote this. And he didn't really understand what he was writing. It just sounded poetic to him at the time. And it would foretell of the suffering that that Jesus would go through. I think that it is 100% prophecy concerning Jesus. But I think so much of what David went through was actually prophecy uh, of Jesus. And we don't know that, you know, did they truly pierce his hands and feet? We don't have any reference of that. But also sometimes when you write about something uh, or you're expressing something, you do express it in um, the words that you can find in your heart. And sometimes the words that you find in your heart are not necessarily what's happening literally, but what feels like is happening emotionally. You know, it it says uh, in that same passage, it says, for dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. You know, I can count on my bones. They stare and gloat over me. 
you know, it's like, well, could he actually count every one of his bones? Well, well, of course not. But he was so weak and he was so fleshly at that point, meaning just stripped down and bare, that it, it was as though he could count his bones. And, and so we don't know necessarily in Psalm 22 when he writes about the piercing of his hands and his feet, did they actually do that to him? But what we do know is that David's life is amazing because he went through such suffering, yet he remained so faithful to God. And that so many of the things that he went through, the Messiah would go through very similar things and would feel very similar ways as the way David did, yet still remain faithful as well which was a sign to Israel because King David was, was um, the man in whom was after God's own heart and whose lineage was promised that the Messiah would come through. So it makes sense that as a sign to Israel that King Jesus would embody so much of King David. And so we, we see these similarities as we read through a lot of David's life and specifically as we read through a lot of the Psalms that were written. And, um, but you know, it, it's a beautiful Psalm. It starts off, you know, one of the, one of the, the most quotable verses in this is Psalm uh, 22 verse three. It says, yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. And um, that's just a powerful verse that gives us a beautiful picture in our mind just of how when we praise God it enthrones him okay and that doesn't mean that it literally puts him on the throne of heaven which we know he is always seated but it rather enthrones him again in our own hearts it then it puts him back in his rightful place that we so often put other things in the place of and when we begin to praise him regardless of what we're going through it puts him back on the throne again of our hearts where we submit and surrender everything to him and uh, that's when we see a lot of times that circumstances begin to change and it's from that moment when he says yet you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. When he says that, he starts to then begin to reference all the times of deliverance uh, that, that he was, uh, that the people of Israel have been brought out of. You know, and then he kind of goes back into talking about some of the suffering that he's going through. And then he turns back again, it kind of goes back and forth. And he turns back again and says, you know, but I'm going to tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You know, and the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied, and those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts uh, live forever. And, you know, there's going to be a, people are going to come and proclaim his righteousness to a people uh, not even born yet, that he has done it. And, you know, this, this passage is so, it's so raw and it's so real because it literally goes back and forth between, you know, man, I'm, I don't know what's going on. Everything's just horrible right now, but, but, but you are enthroned upon my praise and I know that that our fathers trusted you and you delivered them and uh but man what I'm going through is so heavy and, and everyone's just you know wagging their heads at me and I don't have any friends and they 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 mock me and say well if you know if you have a god then let your god save you and 
you know, but, but, you know, Lord, just don't be far off from me, you know, because I, I'm going to tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I'm going to praise you. And, and I know that I'm going to eat and be satisfied. And because you, you, um, you bless those who seek you. And, you know, I know that there's going to be even a legacy to come from this, from people, um, you know, uh, that are even not even born yet are going to hear of the way that you're going to deliver us and deliver me. And, you know, it's this back and forth, um, you know, narrative in this, in this psalm that's so real. And, you know, one thing, there's a verse that, that really blessed me a long time ago, and, it, and it's simple, and, and, and it's, it's in, the, in the middle of David's life, and it says that David encouraged himself, you know, and um, I won't give you all the context surrounding it, but it just, that passage blessed me, because you can read that in Psalm 22, that David had the ability that we, we need to earnestly find quick. And that is the ability to encourage yourself. That is the ability to prophesy your way out of, of the valley back onto the mountaintop. And, 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 and that means just to speak the word of the Lord and to speak the promises and to stir up, like, like Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, you need to stir up your gift. You need to stir yourself up. You need, you need to fan the flame. Timothy. You know, he wasn't asking that God would do anything. He was saying, Timothy, you fan the flame. You stir yourself up. You, you gotta, you know, and that's what David was able to do here is, you know, he, he's just alone and he's going through it, but he starts preaching at himself, basically. You know, I, I'm a preacher, but, and I preach to a lot of people, but I don't preach to anybody more than I preach to myself. Uh, matter of fact, before I ever say a sermon on Sunday morning, you can better believe that I have already preach that to myself and I've amended it <laughs> and I've taken notes and I've prayed that I could apply it because if I'm going to bring it to the congregation on Sunday, it's something that I preached over myself because the Lord was ministering it to me. And, um, and so, you know, we need to learn that ability when we're, when we're down in the valley, go get along with the Lord and be honest with him with the way that you're feeling, but also begin to to talk to yourself and be, begin to encourage yourself like the way that you would if you were talking to someone else. Go, man, I'm, you know, man, I'm just low and life's just bad and I just don't know what's going to, you know, we're not going to have, I just don't know how we're going to have our mortgage on the first and, you know, all this. But, but I, I remember, God, when, when you provided last year and we were in a similar situation and, and you did it. So I believe that you're going to do it again. But this time it's just so tight because, you know, with the way things are costing right now, it just feels like the situation has become even harder. But yet I'm, I'm going to praise you anyway, God, because you're just worthy of it. And I know that, that, that it's, without, it's outside of my control to do anything about it, but, but it's inside of my control just to worship you. And I, I believe that I'm going to tell others in the future of the goodness of how you delivered me out of this difficult situation. And so, God, I just pray, would you, would you do it? You know, and, and that's kind of how you encourage yourself and praise your way out of a battle and, and pray your way out of being discouraged and defeated. And so there's nothing wrong with being raw and being real about what you're going through. But don't take that to other people and don't make a habit out of, you know, 
whining, complaining to all your friends and your family and stuff. Bring your complaints to the Lord, and then, but don't just, but don't just wallow around in it like a pig in, in its, you know, in its mud pit. Take it to the Lord and, and, and begin to, to wrestle with it at his feet, so to speak, where you give it to him, but then you encourage yourself and begin to speak what you can feel in your heart that the Lord wants to say to you about that. And so anyway, so that's Psalm 22. And, you know, it's just a beautiful psalm. And, and Psalm 23, it's, it's funny getting to some of these really popular psalms in our study, because, of course, I've, in my life, I've spoke at length about some of these psalms and I'm only going to be able to talk for just a few minutes about each one but you know Psalm 23 is just a beautiful psalm and it's one many of us have memorized in our lives but you know of course the start of it Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters you know and he just goes through this amazing blessing that's upon him because he belongs to the Lord and, and that just that is what gave David so much confidence. You know, I, I love the, it's the English standard uh, uh, version that phrases it like that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I just love that particular phrasing um, of where, you know, God's got me and I'm in his sheepfold. And if I needed it, I'd already have it. And if in the future I come to a place where I, I have a, a need for it, then I believe God will meet that need when it is prevalent. So right here, uh, as I'm standing in the pasture, uh, I'm not going to want. Boy, that's powerful. I am not going to want. I'm not going to want this new house. I'm not going to want uh, these new clothes. I'm not going, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to want a change of my circumstance or a different job or anything. That's not to say that you may not desire it in your heart, but you're saying, I'm choosing not to lust after it, okay? I I'm, I'm choosing to say, God, if you want me to have these things, would you give them to me? Would you bless me with them? But right here in the now, I'm, I know that I'm going to be content because I've got all that I need. Okay? Because, and I know that you, you make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your own name's sake. And even when I go through difficult times and I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid there either because you're going to be with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Even when I'm in the dark places, even when I'm in the low valleys, even when I'm in the difficult seasons, even when I feel like I'm surrounded on every side by an enemy, even there, you prepare a table for me. You minister to me. You nourish me. You anoint my head with oil. That's a pronounced blessing upon my life. My cup overflows. And I know that this is just the beginning. I believe that goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so this is an incredible psalm and one that, that is so prevalent to so many seasons of our life where we just need to remember to trust God right where we're at and know that when we need to be somewhere else, that's where we'll be. And no matter where we're at, we're never going to arrive at a place where we're immune uh, or exempt from the blessing of God. It doesn't matter where you work at or how much money you've got or, or where you're living currently. You, you can't hide from the blessing of God as long as you're in his sheepfold and you have identified him as your shepherd and you're trusting in him that he, he can bless you. And so you just worship him and trust him right where you're at. Uh, Psalm 24, you know, he, he says, 
who basically can uh, be in right standing with you? Who can uh, be uh, in worship of you? Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in the holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. And so, basically it's saying, there is a there is a blessing released upon those who maintain a life of holiness. And the only way that we can obtain a life of holiness is to be a generation of people who seek God. And, and so, the word says, be holy as I am holy. And we know there, there is an absolute call to repentance and a call to holiness for all of God's people. Um, some, somehow that's gotten lost a little bit over the years with, with, you know, between grace, understanding grace a little bit more. You know, just in the last couple hundred years, see, grace got sucked out of the church. And it became all about religion and following of rules and trying to make ourselves righteous. And really at the time of Reformation, grace got reintroduced to the church. And we, we started to realize again, wait a second, uh, we're imperfect people and we need God's grace. And Jesus came so that we could actually uh, be made righteous because we don't have righteousness within us without the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need grace. And so even David... Um, speaks about this in Psalm 24 because he's going, the only way that I'm going to have right standing with God is if I've got clean hands and a pure heart. But the only way that I can have clean hands and a pure heart is if I'm a seeker of God. Okay, so don't get lost in, in standing at the sink, scrubbing away, trying to get all the dirt from under your nails. Okay, it's that when you seek God, that he comes and sits down with a wash basin at your feet and he washes you and he cleanses you. But you can't be resistant to that process either. You have to submit to that process of righteousness that Jesus takes us through. So it's both. It's not striving to be made righteous in my own strength. But it's also not riding off of the fact that I'm saved and I've got grace and, you know, I'm not going to change and I'm not going to allow the, the uh, work of sanctification by the Spirit to take part in me. Um, because this is necessary. If we're going to invite Jesus in, we can't tell him to stand in the corner. He's gonna, he needs access to the whole home to do his full work in our lives. And, and so... You know, and then and then he goes on and he's talking about, we believe he's talking about the time when the Ark of the Covenant was brought into Jerusalem. So he says, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors. Who is the King of glory? And this would have been recited, you know, like, like you know, who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. You know, this would have been something they would have repeated back. So it would have been a really powerful moment. You know, who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. You know, this would have been just a mighty, you, uh, probably even a moment of like a procession leading into Jerusalem where they're like reminding like everyone like who is the king of glory he's the Lord strong and mighty for battle and we are his people and we've got clean hands and a pure heart because we're going to be seekers of God again and we're going to put the presence of God the ark of the covenant right back in the center of our city again and we're not going to forget him forget his ways and so this is just a celebration of putting God back in his rightful place again and so 
you know, we need, we need to do that. We need to put God in the center of our lives. We need to enthrone Him upon our praises. We need to be the sheepfold of His pasture and trust Him in all seasons. And we shall not want. We should just trust in Him. And then when it's time for me to have it, then He'll supply it. 